0: They know this has been foreseen by God. They know this has been predestined by God. They know that God is the ultimate planner over all of history. So watch. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. Application right now. When they look at the hardship coming upon them, they know God is orchestrating all of it in his good and perfect will, even though they can't fully understand it all. And that encourages them to not give up. That encourages them that God is on his throne. That encourages them that they belong to the one who is the sovereign God over all of history and creation. See what's happening there?
1: everyone, and welcome back to Live in the Light. Or hey, maybe welcome for the very first time. Live in the Light is a radio ministry that intentionally and even urgently seeks radical transformation in our lives through the revelation of God's Word. Put simply, we believe in the open, unashamed teaching from God's Word, and we are glad you're here today. We're so glad because you've caught up with us in the middle of our series called House of Prayer, which is a phrase from God's Word in Mark... 11. Now, why that title? Well, because this series has driven us to take intentional looks into our own lives to see if we have been making decisions to grow in prayer. This week's message takes us to Acts chapter 4 in a message that we're calling Answered Prayer. It's an exciting story from the early days of the church, and as we'll see over and over again, prayer for these young believers was firmly rooted in the character of who God is. Let's learn more as we turn things over to Pastor Robbie now with today's teaching. He is in control.
0: He is not worried. He is awesome. He is glorious. He is the King of kings. He is truly the Lord of lords. He made all of creation, verse 25, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Now, by the way, I just want to point this out. This doesn't really have to do with this message today, but it's right here in the Word, so it's so awesome. Notice, as the apostles pray, or the early church prays, verses come to mind, and they say here, David said, by your Holy Spirit, the early church already has a rock-solid foundation of the doctrine of the Word of God. They already know that the verses they are quoting here from the Old Testament are the authority of God, have been inspired by God, are inerrant in God, that take the whole divine revelation of God, they already know it, who David said, by the Holy Spirit. Love that, man. Take God's word seriously. They did. A little tangent, but I was excited about that one, right? He says here, why did the Gentiles, and now they're quoting Psalm 2, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? Why did the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed? Notice their connection here, for truly, verse 27, for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed who gathered against them, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Watch this, verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Again, can you say sovereignty? Uh, yes, the sovereignty of God. Okay, what's the early church doing here? You know, every phrase is God's in control, God's in control, God's in control. Every phrase, every phrase there. Same God then, same God now. Notice this, the early church is handed a crisis and their first response is what? Is to stare in the sovereignty of God. You see that right here, loved ones? Before their petition to God is their praise of God. See that? Before they request of God, they recognize God. They see that they are praying to the sovereign God over all of creation. In verse 24, they say, sovereign God, you are sovereign over the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in it. They are praying to the master of the universe because he created everything, every creature, every plant, every planet, every person, everything God created. Who's in charge? God's in charge and they know it. Hey, is your heart beating right now? I pray that it is. I pray that it is. Did you know, dear, if your heart's beating right now, that's the Lord Jesus Christ who causes your heart to beat every single beat. Bum, 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 bum. That's all the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ allows your heart to beat right now. Are your lungs breathing right now? I pray it is, young man. They are breathing right now. He's sure of that. That's good. He's breathing. You can take a deep breath right now. Like this, and you can breathe out. That's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, man. The Lord Jesus Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power, man. Everything is united in him. Jesus Christ allows you to exist. All the millions of cells in your body, all the strands of DNA, the complexities, the things that baffle the the human mind, all of that is kept in place by Jesus Christ the Lord. He is sovereign over all, there is none like him. And the early church knows it. Tell me, how do your prayers change when you start this way? How did your prayer life get amped up a little bit When all of a sudden you start off with a sovereign God over the universe, not to mention over creation and not to mention the sovereign God over history. Look at verse 25 again. Through the mouth of your father David, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage, plot against the Lord and gather against the Lord and his anointed? Then we see Herod and Pontius Pilate as an example of that. See what's happening here? The early church knows God is sovereign over all of humanity and history. Can I also point that out too? Notice as they pray and led by the spirit of God, all that's happening here, these verses are filled and saturated with scripture. Isn't that beautiful? They are praying and whether they mean to or not, as they pray, the Bible just flows out of them. Word and prayer, loved word and prayer. I mean, this whole text is a classic description, and Pastor Greg even said it today in his announcement, Daniel Henderson's phrase, this is scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer. Scripture is feeding their prayer. The spirit here is, again, leading their prayer, and worship is the ultimate goal of their prayer. They recognize that God is sovereign over history. In their prayer, they quote directly from Psalm 2. Now, that fascinates me, because I've always loved Psalm 2. One of the reasons I've always loved Psalm 2 is because it's the sovereignty of God on steroids. I mean, you could read it afterwards, but it talks about how the nations and kings are trying to rally and counsel against the Lord. And what, what Acts 4 doesn't give you that Psalm 2 does give you is how the Lord responds to human rulers who try to usurp his authority or take counsel against him. Here's what Psalm 2 says about humans gathering against him. He who sits in the heavens laughs. I I really like that. I do because like you look around us and all the arrogance and all the pomp and all the boasting and all the pride and all the presumption, all these little human creatures that think they're so tough. And they say all these things that are just spitting in God's face and murdering his son. At the end of the day, God knows he's, he's sitting. He's not pacing. He's sitting and he's like, pfft. he holds them in derision. He like mocks them. Said, really? Is that all you got? Really? I mean, Psalm 2 is pretty awesome because at the end of the day, we find out, man, our God is in control. He is sovereign over all of history. He is not worried. He is not panicking. In fact, the, these aren't my words. I almost feel like I'm like adding to the Bible here. No, no, God's laughing. He's laughing at man's attempts. I want you to also see this in the text. What the early church understands is the trial that has come against them, specifically in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but even the persecution they're facing as well. They know, love ones, ready? They know this has been foreseen by God. They know this has been predestined by God. They know that God is the ultimate planner over all of history. So watch, ready? Here we go, here we go. Application right now when they look at the hardship coming upon them, they know God is orchestrating all of it in his good and perfect will, even though they can't fully understand it all. And that encourages them to not give up. That encourages them that God is on his throne. That encourages them that they belong to the one who is the sovereign God over all of history and creation. See what's happening there? They are so encouraged by the fact they are praying to a God who will never be thwarted and his power oversees all. Sovereignty is special. God's sovereignty is powerful. The more we dwell on the sovereignty of God, the more the prayers from our life should be powerful alongside it. And then notice in verse 27 and 28, For truly in this city, now they're just saying, just happened moments ago before them. Your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, they gathered against him. Do you know that um, Herod and Pontius Pilate were enemies before Jesus? But then Jesus comes along, and this is just wickedness. They make friends because they both wanted to kill Jesus or see him gone. And so they become friends surrounding the crucifixion of Jesus. So everyone's stacked against Jesus. Everyone. But notice verse 28, this has to be underlined in your Bible, man. you got to make sure you see this when you go there again. Like, Like, look at what's happening with our God. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Awesome. I love the sovereignty of God. Love, 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 love the sovereignty of God. Can you imagine thinking that God wasn't in control? I mean, that would be stressful. So think about the early church here. All the worrying, panicking, grieving surrounding the crucifixion, that all becomes massive sources of faith and encouragement with the resurrection because at that moment, they see, wait, wait, wait. God was planning this all the time. God's in control of all this. God was the one that sent his son because he loved the world so much to die for us and raise him from the dead. God is behind this. God is in control. Our God is awesome. Again, the power of God's sovereignty over our prayer life. It fuels our faith. Our nation legalized marijuana. And you could be tempted like me sometimes looking around and saying, oh no, everything's falling apart. Oh no, no, no. The whole thing's going down. And maybe it is. But if it does, it's according to the sovereignty of God. At the end of the day, you can legalize whatever you want. Our God is still sitting on his throne. Good spot for an amen. I'm glad you responded there. It's so true. And you think about it, you're like, God, he, he's, he's not worried about this. And there's consequences forward. But at the end of the day, it's okay. It's okay, loved ones, because our God is awesome. He is awesome. And we belong to him and we know that. So we're tempted to despair again in light of what's happened this past week. Let us remember this. Before our prayer meeting, I was talking to Pastor Craig and asking for a little pithy phrase of how to summarize where we are. He's like, well, there's that saying that says, there's no high like the most high. (laughs) And I was like, I laughed out loud. Yes, I remember that. That's awesome. Awesome. Isn't that that wonderful phrase just to be saying out loud right now in the midst of all that's happening and just say, you can do whatever you want, man. But at the end of the day, there's no high like the most high. There's no one more beautiful. And I'm reading um, the book of Daniel right now. It's my personal readings. And that phrase or that, yeah, that description, most high comes up all the time. It's a perfect week to see it all the time, man. There's no high like the most high. And the most high is on high. And he's awesome, he's so good and powerful and glorious and it encourages us to continue to pray to the one who can do anything because he is sovereign. Hey, I I might sense there's a little bit of faith growing in the room right now. Just a little bit, an increase of like expectation and kind of desire and pleasure for the Lord. Maybe so, there should be, there should be. When your theology is right and your prayers are aligned with that, man, faith grows. Conviction number two is this. We pray now to the supernatural one. And when we do that, more expectancy, right? The sovereign one is also the one who's the supernatural one, verse 29. Okay, notice what the early church does here. Watch, we're learning from them, right? We're learning from them. And now, Lord, because of your sovereignty, because you are sovereign over creation humanity, because your whole plan's unfolding, you're perfect. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Okay, watch this, ready? The bigger God's sovereignty becomes, the smaller our problems feel. Right, because when you're comparing like, God's sovereignty, my problems, you know, like which one in the scale weighs more? The weight of God's glory and sovereignty makes our problems look pretty ridiculous in the span of eternity. Uh, here's a quote we've used before, I love this too. Here's a plaque that sits in our house, it's this. It was given to us as a I love that. Don't tell, don't tell God you have a big problem. Tell your problem you have a big God. Amen. That's exactly what the early church is doing right now, man. They're like, hey God, you're, you're, you're in control of everything, man. Our problems right now, they might be significant on some level, but when compared to you, no, 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 you got it. You got it. Doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. Doesn't mean it won't be at cost. Doesn't mean there won't be persecution. But at the end of the day, you got it, you're in control. You're sovereign, you're sufficient. Notice the early church, they barely reference the attack against them. And instead, watch this, instead of going on the defensive as the early church, they actually go on the offensive. You see that? They say, look upon their threats, Lord, and grant your servants to continue. Notice they don't say, look upon their threats, Lord, and find us a cave that we can hide in until you return. We're tempted to do that. They're like, and grant your servants boldness to continue, to continue to speak the word with all boldness. So this is beautiful and challenging. At least it is to me, and it should be to us. In the midst of persecution, trial, and suffering, the church could easily circle the wagons here and again hide. But notice, their one main prayer request throughout this prayer is greater evangelism. That's their one main prayer request. And the opposition they face only intensifies their resolve for the gospel. So here's what's happening really in verse 29. God, you're the one, we're the vessels. You preach the gospel through us, but you do the supernatural work among us. I mean, that's what verse 30 is. Verse 30 says, and while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Jesus. So God, we obey you, and you're the one who changes lives. Notice their expectancy here. Why? They know their God can't be stopped. Do we know that our God can't be stopped? They can't wait to see what he does next. Remember this, two Lovings? Here's some contrast. Here's some context. We just saw marijuana legalized. The early church just saw evangelism criminalized. You are not allowed to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. What do they do when evangelism is criminalized? Their prayers for evangelism increase. Their desire for gospel boldness grows. Their expectation of God intensifies. What a challenge that is for us. Because what I know is our instinct in light of our day, I feel it, in light of current events is to and the cultural tie that's coming against us, our our instinct can be just again be defensive. Get in the holy huddle and kind of just hunker down. What a boost of faith this is! This is a challenge for me to take hold of our sovereign God and not go on the defensive, but in light of all that's happening, actually go on the offensive for the gospel in our day. Notice too their strategy. Notice their strategy for the gospel against the persecution. Here's their strategy: pray. What about the five ways to do this? And how about 10 different tricks and how to be a better witness? And how about this way to reach the, the lost? And how about we try to kind of yeah, compromise in this way so we can kind of be liked more? And what about, think of all the strategies in our day, the capitulation, the temptation towards in the church. We've got to be liked by man. we got to change this over here. we got to make sure that all, the, all these temptations, at the end of the day, the church right now, they're like, pray. We've got to pray. Because when the Holy Spirit does it, he does it right every single time. Lord, grant your servants boldness to speak your word. Question for you and for me. How hard have you been praying for a specific gospel witness within your life? Be honest right now. I'm being honest too. How hard have you been praying for a specific gospel witness within your life? And a lot of us so, well, actually I haven't been praying much for that at all because I'm too busy praying for myself. Hmm. yes. Yes, I know. That's my temptation too. But at the end of the day, loved ones, the people are going to heaven and people are going to hell. And the single greatest reason that we're placed here is to see disciples made for the Lord Jesus Christ. Question again, how hard have you been praying like the early church right here for a greater specific gospel boldness upon your life to witness to the Lord Jesus Christ? Here's what... Um, Here's what James Walker said about this kind of theme right here. I want you to see this. We've used this years ago, but I remember to hear, it's in Daniel Henderson's book, one of his chapters, said this, we spend more prayer energy trying to keep sick Christians out of heaven than we're trying to keep lost people out of hell. Now, I know quotes like this can kind of cause ripples and ruffle feathers. Good. Good, it does for me too. Now notice the problem is not praying for sick Christians. The problem is when on all our prayer energy is being used for this in the neglect of this. That's the problem. Where at the end of the day, those that end up here, they're blessed. Those who end up here are cursed. So it's just it's just good to take inventory for all of us. And to be, what is the thrust? Are our prayers kingdom minded? Or are they self-centered? Notice to the early church, notice they're not saying, Lord, give us an easier life. Notice they're not even praying for safety. Rather, they are praying for power. Not make my life easy, not make my life safe. But they're praying for power. In fact, their very prayer request is really asking the Lord for more confrontation. You get that? Like if they have more gospel witness, there'll be more opposition. More opposition, they're really more in danger. So the very requests are putting themselves in danger. But they're not ultimately concerned about that because they're concerned about the gospel and the Lord Jesus changing lives as their lives have been so dramatically changed. And then notice this too. Notice the power is in the name of Jesus. Look at the end of verse 30. It says, in the name, in the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's where the power is. And this reminds us of our context for this text. Again, I referenced it already, but look at Acts 3 uh, verse 6. This is going back to how they got here in the first place. Again, the the lame beggar who's looking for some financial donation or some food, and he looks at Peter and John. Peter and John say, look at us. I love that. How do you think Peter said that when he first said it? Was it Was it like, look at us? Was it like, look at us? Was it like, Look at us. It wasn't like that. I don't know. I don't know. But I love, I always love that, man. There's authority in that right there. Notice verse six. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold. What I do, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ in the name above all names, in the name of the Alpha and the Omega and the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one who holds the keys to death and Hades, in the name of the living bread and the door to heaven and the living water and the great I am, in the name of the Master of the Lord of the universe, in the name who will judge the living and the dead, in the name of all glory, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. Are you praying in the name of Jesus Christ? And I hope so, because there's no name like his name. Name above all names. Majestic and awesome and powerful and glorious. The name of Jesus. See what's happening here at the early church? They're like, our God is sovereign. The name of Christ is unstoppable. He's supernatural. They're filled with conviction and prayer. And then notice it leads them to this third conviction, which is this. We pray to the faithful one which means we expect more fruit, more fruit. So now, loved ones, they see their prayers answered. See that? Their prayers now are answered. It's almost like the the state of their hearts is irresistible to God. It's like the posture of their souls is, God delights in it so much. He rushes to those who know they need him. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, and when they had prayed, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Commentators speculate that that was some form of an earthquake. Whether it was like micro local to where they were or beyond, we don't know. But imagine praying and... Amazing, man. Amazing the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Um, In the Old Testament, a shaking place was a sign of the manifestation of God. You know what God's saying to them right here? He's like, hey, hey, I've heard you, I'm with you. How encouraging is that? It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the single greatest difference maker in our lives, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Loved ones, one baptism, many fillings. This isn't Pentecost. Pentecost already happened. They had the Holy Spirit. They are filled, many fillings. We seek the filling of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, again, this is the difference. This is the secret. God's Spirit equipping them, encouraging them, empowering them, emboldening them the Holy Spirit. You and I try to witness for Christ on our own. We go out, we fall on our faces within three minutes, but the Holy Spirit is, is within us. And he's the one who activates the courage. Then all of a sudden we're doing things we never, ever thought we could do ever. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the secret and power to the early church. Remember too, the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. But just as much on the screen for you here, this is what's in my Bible. We've seen this before. I don't want to remind myself it's also the acts of the Holy Spirit, if not entirely. It's the Holy Spirit carrying the early church, it's the Holy Spirit allowing them to have the constant boldness and witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you right now, you're like, man, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. How am I filled with the Holy Spirit? I wanna just, here's some prayers that you can pray, not as a formula, but as a true biblical understanding of how we clean our house to make room for a greater surrender and filling of God's Spirit. Right now, men, prayers of confession. Sin is the greatest blockage to God's power in our lives. Every sin you can think of confess. Everything that comes to mind. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Repent, the power of repentance that times of refreshing might come, Acts. Confess and repent. Think of the sins that are getting in the way of what God wants to do. Then prayers of surrender, you're saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. God, I'm a living sacrifice. I offer to you my body, I offer to you my soul. At the end of the day, God, my will has to be gone. Your will has to be front and center. Here I am, Lord, here I am, here's my life. Here's my life, take and use me. Holy Spirit of God, you lead as you want to lead. You fill as you want to fill. And then of course, ask, ask. Our passage last week, how much more the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ephesians five eighteen. But don't be drunk with wine. Don't get high in marijuana. But be filled by the Spirit. All those other things are, are, are just false, temporal nothings. Here, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, we see gospel boldness witness upon our lives. And then notice the result of our early church here. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. A few chapters later, the book of Acts will describe the early church as those who have turned the world upside down. Really, loved ones, this this is the group of people that have allowed us to be where we are today, 2,000 years later, in a continent away that we might know the Lord Jesus Christ. It began with them and their dependence and prayer and the Holy Spirit for gospel, boldness, witness that send the Christianity throughout all the world, that has changed the world forever. God help us to, to do our part right now in this day. So listen, God heard and answered their prayer. Whether Billy Graham or the early church or everyone in between or after, Again, it's not supposed to be a secret. Ready, loved ones? Listen to this. Listen to this. Prayer is the answer to answered prayer. You're like, I don't understand what you just said. Prayer, it, it, you have not because you asked not. Prayer is the answer to answered prayer. What a beautiful text. Have you been challenged or encouraged recently by something
1: that you've heard on this program? This is your opportunity to step forward and give so someone else can be encouraged like you have been. You can give to Live in the Light online
0: at liveinthelight.ca or by calling us at 844-225-4448. Or you can contact us by mail. Our mailing address in Canada is 500 Great Lakes Boulevard, Oakville, Ontario, L6L, 6x9. We can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for listening to us today. Join us again next time on Live in the Life.